Hello, and welcome to Dumpster Dive, an exploration of cult cinema. This is your favorite podcast hosted by me, Patrick, along with my co-host and brother, me, Jordan. Yes, we're here again uh, doing a dumpster dive, or we did a dumpster dive, or Jordan did a dumpster dive. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're discussing one of his picks this week, as we do, well, not week. How often do we put these up? Once a month we try. Yeah, we're once a month-ish. And we hope everyone has been enjoying uh, the episodes that have finally been posted on multiple uh, podcast platforms. We have some likes. Ooh, we got some likes. Nice. Maybe we'll give some shout-outs to people who like and uh, review (laughs) us on our next episode. Don't call me out. I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember who it was. We should give the – or do they do dislikes on podcasts? Uh, no. We should we should give shout outs to like negative. Comments. I think di- the dislikes are just the people that don't listen. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't be listening to this rambling introduction. Yeah. Anyway, uh, what we're doing here today is what we always do once a month or so here on Dumpster Dive, uh, which is uh, you know Jordan and I we are always on the hunt for good or at least interesting DVDs and Blu-rays. Used, discounted, whatever you've got, we'll take a look at it. And, um, well, we're trying to find good stuff. We're I mean, that's always, ultimately the goal. It's we're always like, trying to find good stuff. This is not a so bad it's good. This is not a yep. we're making fun of the material just for the sake of making fun of it. I always think of it as something like try to like get the best value in terms of like the quality of the movie for like the lowest price. You know? Yes. So... Um, we pick a movie from one of our collections and uh, discuss it. And this week, this month, we're going to have to go weekly. <laughs> this month. We're committed. This month is one of Jordan's selections. Uh, it's a film from way back in the year 2003, yeah. which I'm old, so it seems like anything post-2000 <laughs> is pretty recent. Yeah. But... As we were kind of looking into it and looking at some other movies that came out around the same time as this one, you know, 2003 was 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a long time ago. Yep. Um, so this is a movie in a genre which was popular then and is even more popular now. Uh, so without further ado, let's play the trailer to this film, and we'll be back in just a moment to talk about it. Are you here to confirm that Daredevil is responsible for this, Detective? There is no proof that Daredevil even exists. He can hear it before it makes a sound. He can sense it before it happens. He can vanish before you realize he's there. And he's the last person you never expect. Police suspect the vigilante Daredevil was the one to bring the criminals to justice. I don't know why you read that trash. You want the truth? Tell me. She's hideous. Excuse me. I just wanted to get your name. Does every guy have to go through all this to find out your name? Try asking for my number. I've been following that piece you wrote about the kingpin. How do you kill a man without fear? And the bodies in the Give me bullseye. Devil's mine. Ah! 
Skeptic. If there's no eyewitness, I mean, you know, Bigfoot has eyewitness, please. Okay, so you have just heard the trailer to 2003's Daredevil, featuring the Marvel Comics character, not the recently concluded Netflix television series, which has gotten a lot of, I would say, mostly justified praise. Uh, pretty good show. I didn't. I don't think You've I watched. You've seen it. And I, haven't. I haven't. Yeah, I don't think I watched the last the last season. But a good good show, especially the first season. It was um, so good. I didn't want to continue on. Yeah, but in uh, people may have forgotten way back in 2003, uh, pre Marvel Studios yeah. movies. Well, um, it would have been like five years before mm-hmm, before um, Iron Man. Iron Man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was a Daredevil movie. Uh, and who is the director of this movie? Is it Mark Steven Johnson? Oh, shoot. Let me see. Is that right? It's something like that. He's got three names. Um, yeah, you got it. Mark Steven Johnson. Yeah. So Mark Steven Johnson's Daredevil, starring Ben Affleck as yep. the titular superhero. Jennifer Garner is Elektra. Yep. Colin Farrell as Bullseye. And Michael Clark Duncan, Michael Clark Duncan as the Kingpin of Crime. And... Kevin Smith? No. Yes, a cameo, a cameo by Kevin Smith, who we've talked about on this podcast before. Uh, so, yeah. Jordan, do you want to summarize uh, Daredevil? Uh, okay. Should I summarize it as if like no one even knows who Daredevil is? Even though I'm sure somewhat. anybody listening to this would S- know who Daredevil somewhat. is. Yeah, somewhat, yeah. Well, Daredevil is like an old Marvel character. He's from like the 60s. Yeah, he's one of the initial... Like, like most of their characters, he's from that initial kind of creative yeah. burst in the early 60s. His, his gimmick is that he's the blind superhero. Right. He's got super heightened senses. Yep. And he's really like... He likes Spider-Man. He's a very New York-centric yeah. character. Hell's mm-hmm. Kitchen in yep. particular. Um, as a little kid, he's blinded, and then he learns how to like harness his power to fight crime. Kind of Ninja Turtle-like. I guess mm-hmm. you said the Ninja Turtles were influenced from yeah, Daredevil. Yeah, they were. <laughs> well, that's kind of like his whole gimmick in Electra as an assassin, and he's just kind of like the femme fatale or his love interest. Mm-hmm. Kingpin is the main villain, who's like a... Uh, kingpin of crime. Like a kingpin gangster. Yeah, I guess the kingpin's a perfect name for him, because, yeah, he's like the... Mob boss of New York, and mm-hmm. he's like above the law. That's pretty much it. And that pretty much is this movie. I mean, that's what it's about. It goes a little. It's not exactly an origin story, although it does kind of. It flashes back to that, which is probably the most interesting part of it. Yeah. Um, is that a good explanation? Of I think so. <laughs> yeah. No, it's definitely. I mean, I don't really want to summarize the story because that kind of is the story. He fights the kingpin. It's pretty much. Really yeah. It's it's. Not um, very it is an original. Or, you're right. It is an. It definitely is. I would say it definitely is an origin movie. It it is an origin movie in the sense that it shows his origin, but the whole the whole story and movie is not about the origin. Right. Like he's in terms of the actual timeline of the movie, he's fully formed and he is Daredevil True. already. He yeah. flashes back and shows where he came from a little bit. They don't really do as much as yeah. you think. But. Yeah, that's true. And essentially the movie is is him kind of figuring out um did we say that he's a lawyer? Oh yeah, his identity. secret identity, Matt Murdock, is a lawyer. Um, you know, the he's he's trying to figure out basically who this. They know there is a kingpin of crime. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and, and he's a super Catholic hero too. Yeah, he's Catholic. Well, he's not like a super Catholic. He's a <laughs> regu- he's a superhero. <laughs> he's not like who super Catholic. Christ. Yeah, he's not like 
That's extra not one of his Catholic. powers. He's not extra Catholic. He's like the normal level of Catholic. Yes. And he, we're Catholic. He just, he just is Catholic. Yes. Um, so that I've always liked that about. Yeah, that is a cool representing aspect. the Catholics <laughs> in comics. But but also, I mean, that is kind of a neat little twist. That was during mm-hmm. Frank Miller's run on the comics. That's As another one of his gimmicks. Most of the things that people associate with Daredevil come from Frank Miller's yeah, run on yeah. the comic books in the '80s. But that's the comics we're talking about. The movie. Um, but yeah, and King, uh, Kingpin is responsible uh, for the deaths of like Matt Murdock's father. Yeah. Ultimately. Well, they say... Spoiler alert, Electra. Both of Electra's parents. Yeah. So Kingpin's just killing all these people (laughs) who Mm -hmm. are involved in Matt Murdock's life to one degree or another. If they get involved in his business or something yeah, threaten to mess it up, they're Mm -hmm. gone. Yeah, so... Um, that, yeah, that's pretty much really kind of a superhero crime noir. Yeah. Um, so what did you think of it? You know, I I was actually kind of surprised when it started out. Uh-huh. I was like, this actually is better than I remember. Right. Because, like, full disclosure, I've seen it before. Right. I saw it when it around when it first came out. I must have. Because I, uh-huh. I didn't see it in the theaters, but I definitely had seen it. And my memory of it was not liking it. I was thinking it just wasn't good all right. around. And I still kind of stick by that a little mm-hmm. bit. But when it was starting out, I'm like, oh, maybe I remember this wrong. Because the origin part is pretty good. Like, it's really, it, like, leans into the super over-the-top kind of, like, um, I don't know, like, operatic mm-hmm. kind of comic booky way that the story's told. And after that, it turns into just, like, 90s schlock, even though it's 2003. Right. It seems like it's super dated. Yeah. But not even, like, from the era that it came out. Yeah. Because, I mean, this would be, like, right after Spider-Man. Actually, right right after Spider-Man 2, the movie. And that is, like, light years above where poor old Daredevil's at. Yeah. I talked about Spider-Man 2 um, in an earlier episode. I mean, that one, that's admittedly a highlight. Um, yeah, this was, um... But ultimately, yeah, I, I, this is not good. And it, got, it just got worse and worse, and by the time it was ending, I was like, please, just end. <laughs> like, yeah, for me, this movie was really frustrating. Yeah. Um... You could kind of see it had potential. It had a lot of potential. Yeah. And, um, you know, I... Frustrating, too, because, like we said in the intro, we... We're not looking for movies to yeah, make fun exactly, of. Yeah, exactly. Like, my, my favorite thing, and I don't think it's actually happened yet on the course of this podcast. I know. I keep thinking um, back to, like, the last episode. I it wanna, seems like we're just looking I for I want to be the guy who says, oh, wait, you know what? Daredevil actually is excellent. Everyone mm-hmm. take it. Let's reevaluate it. And, and it's just – and I'm, like, with you with this particular movie – at the beginning, um, especially the origin sequence, which mm. I would say uh, that flashback, it does not have Ben Affleck in it. When, when he's like, <laughs> well, that might be part of it. When, when it doesn't have like, Jennifer Garner in it either. When he's like a kid, um, mm. that is solid. No, yeah. I have no problems with that. The cinematography is excellent. Yeah. It's a great... It looks like a comic book come to life. Really. It's a gr- And also kind of like a crime noir. Mm-hmm. Um, like just really great kind of dark lighting. But it doesn't it also kind of stray and do its own thing a little bit too? It doesn't follow the Oh yeah, I mean it's it's its own movie. I mean, Daredevil's got a great origin in the comics. His dad was a a prize fighter mm-hmm. who was on the take with the well with the Kingpin ultimately. And um 
is supposed to throw a fight, but his kid's watching, yeah. so he doesn't throw the fight, and that's why they kill his dad. I mean, it's just, like, a good... Mm-hmm. There's just a lot in there. So, like, the, the source material is really rich. I do think this particular script in that area is really good. And it's it's very well filmed, very well acted. Um, so the whole origin sequence is great. So you're off to a good start. Mm-hmm. Um, That's why I was kind of like, maybe my memory of this is not exactly right. accurate. Yeah. And then um, you go to present day, and, okay, Ben Affleck is Matt Murdock, Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. I think the costume looks cool. Um, and he's I, already, in in that timeline, he's... Like I said, he's already Daredevil. Yeah, like so we go Daredevil. from, like, he's a little kid, and now, like, he's been mm-hmm. Daredevil. So we get the, the, here's how he got his powers, and now he's just Daredevil. Yep. Um, and he's, he's in the midst of, like, trying to take down the Kingpin, basically. Yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, I think the costume looks cool. Yeah, I actually like fine. it. Um, he does look a little silly because it's Ben Affleck dressed up like a superhero, but yeah. even the Marvel heroes look a little silly to me. It, it all, it all, it's all a little silly. I think it works kind of like in the same way Batman does sometimes. Like, mm-hmm. show Batman in the light and he looks kind of like right. crappy. Daredevil's right. more of like, a, Daredevil's sort of like Spider-Man, more dark and gritty. Yeah. Like, very street. So having Daredevil appear, like, even the beginning when he's fighting the, all the guys in the pool hall. Like, that was kind of a cool scene, and you kind of get glimpses of him a little bit, and he's like, he appears up in the corner, and it looks cool. Like, yeah, it looks, that was a cool scene. It seemed scene. to me kind of like Daredevil, or like what I think of when yeah. I think of Daredevil. But then you figure that's in the same movie with the CGI Yeah, then there's like full fight in the church, Yeah, and it's just like, the, just is this the, the stuff same that, movie? Stuff that doesn't age well. Like, yeah. And it really, it really is one of those movies. Like it's exactly like you said, which I have to say is kind of my memory of it from the first time. It starts out really solid, mm-hmm. and it just keeps getting worse. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of that is that that original story is so it's such a good setup for a character too, yeah. like his origin. And after that is over. They don't have a story to tell, really. Not really, but, you know, the script on the whole isn't terrible. The, yeah. st- uh, the story here is not really the problem, I don't think. You might disagree, but, like, in terms of plot and story, yeah, I think it holds together pretty well. So, where does this movie go wrong? It slowly goes wrong on many, many <laughs> levels. Um, cast? Yeah. I think there are too many characters. Of course, we need to talk about the soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, which that, is a that would be the first thing. Big problem. Um, well, well, when you say cast, too, it's like yeah. Well, let's let's take a meet. So let's let's. Oh, I really want to list like, them all because I you feel like this was a good movie. It literally went off the rails. Yeah. So let's start with the cast. Mm-hmm. These are all good actors. Yeah, I was going to say, the cast isn't the problem necessarily. It's the like casting. The, yeah, the casting the of it is. There like you go. They're like in the wrong role. So yeah. Like, so like I actually, I like Ben Affleck, and I've liked him Same. in movies before. I've seen him in crappy movies too, of yep. course, but you know, every actor who works a lot is going to have that. Um, but I, I like him. I'll go like, on record as saying he's Young not Girl. my least Great. favorite Batman. I, I'm yeah. a fan of Ben Affleck No, he was fine as Batman. Um... But, yeah, I, I would say he's somewhat miscast here. He's not mm-hmm. terrible in the role. Um, it's hard to quite say 
what quality he lacked or what well, he I, brought to it that should not have been I there. Heard. <laughs> but there is or something... maybe not even a quality because like one of the reviews I remember reading and I kind of agree with this is that he kind of seemed uninterested. Yeah, and it does kind of come across. Oh, definitely a bit when he's, he's doing like, like the the voiceover, like I am oh, yeah, the shadow in like, the night. That's very like, like that's Harrison like, Ford doing the voiceover in Blade Runner. Right, like, <laughs> like he just was. He's yeah, trying he, to take it down. He's, he's reading like, it like you'd read off of the back yeah. of a cereal box or yeah. something. Yeah, it's just you just can't buy him, or he can't buy into yeah. embodying this, even though it is. Uh, more gritty street level superhero it still is a superhero yeah. you know his batman works because he's an older batman in those movies mm. um and ben affleck's older when he does that so he kind of is able to bring that kind of like world weary kind of heaviness yeah. to that character a little bit but daredevil's kind of in his prime in this movie and i i mean i guess ben affleck is too yeah i was gonna say it's kind of the same thing though because ben affleck's still kind of the same age of yeah but i i just i don't know i just don't quite buy him as this character either as the lawyer as a lawyer who moonlights as a guy who kicks ass yeah that's a problem that i had with him is that he's not like the dark gritty son of a boxer right you know fighting mobsters in hell's kitchen ben affleck isn't really that guy not saying like actors can't play certain roles yeah but i didn't buy him as that well do you think it could be too just the star factor in that it maybe would have been better to cast an unknown or a lesser known because the movie doesn't get made you know right but i'm talking just from an artistic perspective yeah um like you know is the fact that ben affleck is ben affleck kind of distracting us like does he always kind of look like ben affleck wearing a halloween costume you know, I don't know. I'm. I don't think that's it actually, because okay. I can kind of watch Ben Affleck disappear. Well, in that's roles true. Too. Yeah. Because when he was cast as Batman, I was like, I could see that because he kind of is that guy. Mm-hmm. And but I don't see Ben Affleck when I see him being like Bruce Wayne or something like that. Yeah. Like I'm, I can see. It. And the best example I can think of is Gone Girl, and a lot of that is probably, you know, David Fincher being. Yeah. The, Perfectly cast him. I as think that's got to be one of, one of his best roles, if yeah. not his best. I mean, that's what you got to keep in mind when you see Daredevil. You're like, no, he can do good stuff. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, yeah. He's not bad. It's like, yeah. That's why the cast isn't necessarily the problem. It is, yeah, it's like you said, it's the casting. It's the casting. It's like the placement of all the people. So Ben Affleck, something's not quite landing there. Let's go to the rest of the cast because honestly, I kind of. Well, think I, I don't like Jennifer Garner just on the whole, so uh-huh. I'm probably a little biased on okay. that. But yeah, she's not a luxury. Yeah, she's not Electra. She was the one. She was the mom in, not not Juno's mom, but she was the one who was. Oh yeah, baby yeah, yeah. Juno, yep, right? That's right? Or yeah. want to adopt the baby? Right. She's say, good. In it. She's she great. Is in so it. good, yeah. and, yes. and and I don't want to keep going on <laughs> tangents about other movies. Yeah, but not but that's something you have to not keep in mind when you want to like shit on all these actors and be like, no, they they can do good. Not stuff. only you is Jennifer, in the right role. yeah, not only is Jennifer Garner good in Juno, mm-hmm. she elevated the whole film for me. Yeah. Her character is, like, central. In well, she's also, like, the final scene with her. You're just like, God, perfect. Excellent. <laughs> so, yeah, again, not a bad actress. Mm-hmm. Perhaps a bad actress for this role. Yeah. Now, I don't want to be one of those people like, well, the comics are like this, and they change it for the... Because, honestly, I truly, truly, truly do not care about that. I love comics. I've read all these comics. I don't give a shit if they change it for the it's movie. It's got to just be whatever Just make works. a good movie. <laughs> but even in the context of this movie, she ain't Electra. 
I feel like Electra needs to have a kind of sultry, mysterious quality yeah. to her. You know, I mean, Jennifer Garner is very much like girl next door. Girl next door, and she's supposed to be this this Greek assassin. Well, in the comics, she's an assassin, but like in this, she doesn't even really have an origin. She's just like yeah, that's true. She knows she how to comes fight. Out of nowhere. I guess because her dad wanted her to be able to defend herself. She's mm-hmm. from this very well-to-do family that ends up being involved with the kingpin. Um, Daredevil knows how to fight randomly too. Yeah, because he wasn't trained by like his master in the yeah. comics. Is stick. Yeah. Okay, so again, like, maybe the script is, maybe there is some problems with yeah. the script, because, again, trying not to be the guys who are like, well, they should have changed this from the comics, there are certain elements in the comics that aren't in this movie that it, I feel like the movie kind of needed. It seems, I'm going to invent a word, it seems kind of reshooty. Yeah. Like, I think maybe there are a lot of reshoots on it. Yeah. It didn't quite work the first time. Well, it needed more of certain things, but then also, I I think one of the problems is, like, there's... They tried to put a lot in the movie, yeah. and a lot of what they put in were like the surface element, quote air quotes, cool moments from the comics. So you have Electra being stabbed, and it looks just like yeah. the the panel from the comic, and and Daredevil and 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 Bullseye. I'm not King, as familiar with Daredevil comics, so I yeah, but that moment I recognize, right. of course. And like Bullseye, Kingpin, and Electra are in it. Like you could have maybe just had one of them. Or two of them, maybe. See, I don't know. I don't even know if like it's the amount of characters or anything. I think the problem is like they don't have a lot to do because no. Bullseye disappears forever, and you're supposed to be like, Bullseye is the guy that Kingpin hires to come in to do the job to take out Daredevil, yeah. basically. So the whole time you just see like Bullseye, what kind of character he is apart from Daredevil. Like you're supposed to think like this outside threat is like coming closer and closer to you, but you never really. Are you afraid of Bullseye? Or you're never like, when he finally shows up with Daredevil, you're not like, oh, fuck. You're, no. <laughs> like, and But that's clearly what they're going for, because they build it so long. And the final, like, the battle between them, I th- like, on the road when he kicks him off his bike or whatever uh-huh. it is. Like, these characters have never even met before. It's like they don't right. even know who they are, that's who true. each other are, yeah. or anything. It's like... The, they're not related, but now it's like, well, it's time for us to fight, I guess. Let's get, like right. you're wearing a costume, I'm wearing a costume. Yeah. Let's beat each other up for a while. Yeah, that's kind of what it seemed like to me. Like it wasn't a story that brought them together. They were just like, I don't know. It, it's it's weird because Bullseye was such like a build up to it, and you're not intimidated. It was silly. It well, was, like really silly. I have to say. Colin Farrell was my least favorite in this movie. I yeah. hated Bullseye in this movie. And I've liked Colin Farrell a lot. I've loved Colin Farrell. You're like, I just saw the Minority I just Report. Saw, I just saw uh, Terrence Malick's The New World. Oh, yeah. Oh, is, The Lobster. They, yeah, yes. that's great. This is not about, you know, the actor. Yeah. But, man, I, I, hate, I did hate his performance. I hated oh, yeah. Bullseye being, like, this twitchy kind of, like, tweaker kind of like yeah. you know what I mean he had this kind of like twitchy edge to him and I'm like nah I feel like Bullseye and again this is in the context of just the movie yeah. I just feel like an assassin who can like hit any target straight on like number like, a little more controlled could be completely controlled <laughs> I mean maybe that yeah. was the idea like it's ironic and he's no, kind he's of very guy. much he's very much playing like late 90s villain character yeah where it's like whoa he's eccentric and he's and got I, all these ticks right. that he does so like he'll touch his scar on the top of his head and he'll yeah. flip his coat around like he's a vampire Ugh. disappearing in the night. And, and I hated how he looked. Yeah, I looked dumb. 
which is completely different from the comics, but that's okay if you make it cool. Yeah. He looks he looks ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So by the time and he's introduced fairly late in the runtime. And we should yeah. mention we watched the R-rated version of this, which is yeah. only available on home video. It did not play theatrically. Has about half hour of extra footage. It must have been PG-13 when it came. I would think so. Yeah. It's and it doesn't play like an R even. No. Um, I was shocked when you said that. It was yeah. R, but. but anyway, um, that's a 2003 R. Yeah, that's true. But um, so by the so Bullseye comes in pretty late in the runtime. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the last of the major characters to be introduced. Um, by the time he shows up, the movie has become a bad movie. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, and it, and it was a slow slide. But by the time he shows up, he looks so stupid and ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. The scenes are no longer these kind of cool, dark, noirish, you know. Yeah. Ec- They're very like music video, video y yes. kind of um, CG. Right. I mean, I don't even want to crap on CG as a whole. Like. <laughs> no, but it's it should be noted it, it for the really record. Didn't age the CG well. is shit. You know, it made movie. me. <laughs> it made me think of the first Spider-Man movie, where like. He looks completely different. Like, it, like the scene cuts, right. and then it's like, okay, now it's all CG. Like, nothing is integrated at all. Right. It's just like, here's Tobey Maguire wearing the suit, and then they turn the cameras off, and then they turn the cameras back on filming, like, the computer. You know, right. do it all. And that's very much what it was here. It's like you don't get, or you get, like, a few little close-ups of them, so you, you remember, like, oh, yeah, that's actually, like, a real actor there. I right. forgot it was. But it's so, like... It, like, it doesn't look right. It looks so... It's bad. It's cartoony and, yeah, bad. And there's a lot of, like, swooping shots to a, yeah. a completely CGI well, they, New York City. they reference Fight Club, which, by the way, is many years off, because Fight Club is, like, 97, which puts this movie... Like, talk about the music, too. It's very behind the times a little bit. Yeah. Like, yeah. They reference Fight Club and, remember, like... And Fincher's approach with Fight Club and those scenes, because he was a music video director, too. You know, it's all the... Using the camera, this is a good use of CGI. He uses the camera to, like, flow around in areas, like, through people's brains and heads. Fincher's famous for those. Yeah, like, he does that kind of... And they're trying to copy that here. Yeah. They also reference Fight Club, so it's like... Yeah. You're aware of it, and then you're also making a cheap imitation of it as well. You know, you're right. I didn't... I didn't... Make the connection between the oblique um, Fight Club reference and the fact that you're right. The aesthetics of this movie, um, except for that origin sequence, mm-hmm. is wannabe David Fincher. Yeah, yeah, or at least I, like that period, David Fincher. Yeah, even Fincher's later films aren't like his earlier ones. And there's a lot of like you know um, the camera will move really like super fast motion to another scene. Right. Like, whoosh, 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 you know what I mean? It's just. And it just looks incredibly and it'll, it'll like dated. Slow down to like watch the near miss, right. you know, as someone jumps over someone else's head, yeah, and then go back into like ramp up the speed again, yeah. And, and it's and it's all very like Matrix influenced as well, yeah. <laughs> it, it all seems very derivative, and I think it would have even seemed dated in two thousand three. Like if if you had shown me this movie and said like, okay, guess when this came out? I would have guessed nineteen ninety seven, yeah, nineteen ninety eight, yeah, just based on the aesthetics, yeah. Um, what did you think of Michael Clark, the late Michael Clark Duncan, as Kingpin? I thought actually, he was kind of a good choice. He for was Kingpin. he was like, fine. Yeah, I mean he did. I think that's more of a case of like material. Again, like yeah. I feel like they just had nothing to do in 
Like, yeah. I remember a reviewer that I heard said about some actor who's just in the movie. I forget what movie it was, but I always think of it. He said, he's in the movie a lot, or he has nothing to do, and he does it quite often. Which <laughs> <laughs> means that he's just, like, he's there, but right. he's, like, he's not doing anything. He's not serving any purpose to the story right. at all. So, I feel like he was fine. Actually, yeah, you're you right, actually. He when looks kind of cool as a king. Yeah, he was of, obviously cast... For his physical appearance, yeah. Kingpin is this but he can, giant he's an actor too. He's a good actor. character. Yeah, he did fine. He didn't have much to do here. I can't yeah. say it was a great performance. Well, no, I mean, <laughs> but um, but even I don't know. There was just the way he's his, probably the one I had the least problems with. But even so, like as an actor, okay, he probably he was fine. But even like all the Kingpin scenes, like the way he was dressed, the way the sets were dressed, the way the lighting was done. Like when they were in his penthouse, it just made it seem so much cheaper yeah. than the earlier, better scenes in this movie. It just—it was kind of like that's what I mean about it being frustrating. I'm like, wait a minute, I saw a scene a half hour ago right. that was very nicely lit, had a very well executed action sequence, and now I'm watching this tacky, yeah. you know, scene that seems like it should be in another movie. Guy intimidates the other guy in a boardroom or something. Yeah. All right, I'm going to stretch out here, because <laughs> I think we have All to talk them. about the soundtrack. Yeah. Well, you should have done a little research to find out who's on the soundtrack, but I don't want to know. I don't want to know. It's it's. I think they would prefer to be anonymous. Yeah. Well, Evanescence is on here, yeah. and their songs are fine. Mm-hmm. Again, I would have dated them maybe 97, 98. Yeah. Um, See, the, it's, it's even hard to judge a little bit, even though I'm going to go out on a limb and say that this is just bad all around. It's bad. <laughs> I hope. But it seems like it's so, again, I have to say, like, behind the times. Yeah. Like, it seems, 2003? I know. I was alive in 2003. Right. I and I'm not even the hippest guy on the block. Right. I wasn't listening to this shit. And yeah. Like, this is what they're trying to sell. So as how would you how would movie. you describe the soundtrack? Because I'm hoping well, it's so, in the trailer. For some so reason, hear it. I'm thinking like really. Um, like, I want to say like corn and Nickelback. Well, I'd say Nickelback is okay. what I would say. I don't know anything it's about music, like, <laughs> but those are the things that come to my it's head. It's very like angsty. Like, I guess you'd call it, like, wuss rock or, like, pussy rock, okay. I guess they'd call it. Yeah. But yeah, it's totally, like, oh, I don't even know. Like, wussy lyrics. And, like, and it's, like, pre-emo. So it, it's bad 90s, like, yeah. like, it's not quite metal, right? No, no, it's not metal. This is, like... Bad 90s rock. Yes. Like, Nickelback is a very good Okay, so think, think Nickelback. Yeah. That's kind of the, the musical aesthetic of this film. And it's yes. very distracting there's a yeah. lot of songs it's so ba- like it doesn't it's even really bad it, it doesn't really even match keeps scenes that no. are going on it's like all of a sudden it's like your next door neighbors are playing some shitty music and you're trying to watch like a daredevil movie right you want to just like pound on the wall and be like shut the fuck up i mean there was that one sequence um that we talked about which is really probably the only really good fight sequence in the movie with the pool hall yeah, and um, I really was like, can we just turn off the soundtrack? Because it's like the, the, the you get this ridiculous music that yeah. sounds like it's from the mid nineties, yeah, and it just cheapens the entire it film. It really it's did, like garish. Yeah, <laughs> garish. It you is. Know, I know, I'm just <laughs> you know the last time I heard that in a review it was garish. <laughs> the, the Nickelback soundtrack is quite garish. <laughs> it was garish. That is the word. It was. This is a garish soundtrack, and yeah. it made the movie garish. It was just like so front and center. <laughs> yeah. Whereas like music, 
right. should kind of like help the movie along. Yeah. This is just like get the fuck out of the Even way. Even the Evanescence songs, which yeah. I guess you said one of them was a, a single off of this soundtrack. Oh, I read that one of those songs won a Grammy. Apparently. I mean, I could believe it with some of the Evanescence songs, I guess. I mean, it's yeah. not my kind of thing. They're, they weren't bad, but even the way they're utilized in the movie is yeah. so overdone and so distracting. Like, they have one when um, Matt Murdock and Elektra, Ben Affleck, Jeffrey Dunn, are kind of like breaking up in the movie in this Evanescence oh, yeah. Song about yeah, like her dad's break- funeral. Yeah, and this Evanescence song about breaking up is like blaring on the soundtrack. It's just, it is absolutely the worst part of this movie. And I really think like a different soundtrack would have improved the viewing experience. I'm gonna say like fifty percent at least, yeah. at least. I honestly, I can't remember the last time that a kind of soundtrack, not even like right. the score, but like soundtrack, right. like totally threw you out of it. Like, yeah. think opposite. Guardians of the Galaxy or Baby yeah. Driver or something like there that. There you go. This, this is, is the, where it's like completely unrelated to the story, whereas yes. th- that is integrated into the story. Right. Good music, kind of like curated, hand-picked music. This is just like, who can we get for the soundtrack? Right. Who's popular at the time? I mean, maybe the director just... Re- I don't know. I, I, I'm fascinated by... The director by, might have had nothing to do with it's the like soundtrack. It's like fascinatingly bad. Because maybe the director, who is also the writer, mm-hmm. just likes this kind of music. I could kind of believe that, given his visual aesthetic. Maybe. He has two of the characters fans of this kind of music, because Ben Affleck, as Daredevil, listens to this kind of rock at full volume. Um, yeah. And Bullseye is listening to this type of music on his headphones uh, when he kills the old lady sitting next to him. On but that plane. might have been like, this is all we have at our disposal. Maybe. Like, the... Director, like, because you have to get the rights to the songs and everything. Maybe the director probably might have been totally hands off. Or the director had a completely different idea for what kind of more appropriate music would be in this superhero noir he was trying to craft, yeah. I think. And the producers came in and said, "We got to punch this up." And then here's all this cool shit that the kids are into these days. Yeah. Or they were into yeah, in that's 1996. Other thing. Like, it I don't even... know. It doesn't even like match tonally with like what the character is. That's when like, I. It doesn't do match think, anything. Like, it's 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 Because think of like if like Guardians of the Galaxy, the songs are all like poppy yeah. songs, like happy. Well, the songs are literally songs, the songs the that the, the characters like mother gave to. I mean, the, yeah. well, the that's songs what I mean, in like Guardians being of the Galaxy are like a character. That's in the what movie. I mean, being part of the movie, but even like type the type of music yep. and like the tempo of the music is like it's upbeat or look it's at happy Thor, Ra- Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Oh yeah, with the uh, what is it, Merck Mothersbaugh? Right, doing it. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, like otherworldly. So absolutely, the worst aspect of this movie is the soundtrack. You can't ignore it. Yeah, <laughs> really, you can't. That's what I mean about front and it center. Off. It's just like here we go again. And like you knew when the action scene started, you're like, oh fuck, here comes another one. And it was just like another carbon copy uh, rock. Was yep. rock song like they were? I think they were all different artists. Even there's, I think there's two Evanescence songs, but yeah, I think so. They were all different artists, but they all pretty much sounded yeah, it's the definitely s- that. They were all Nickelback. What I'm going to call the Nickelback aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. As um, if people haven't hated on Nickelback enough. So I think what we have here is a case of definitely some solid source material, um, and a lot of potential. A lot of good elements were there. Yeah, and they just made enough really bad decisions that by the end of the movie it was a straight up bad movie and that was a bummer 
because it, it started out pretty strong. Yeah. And would you say that's kind of a fair summary of, of Daredevil? I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd say it was a bummer, but <laughs> I was bummed like it, because it, it the wasn't first like throw a downer. Oh yeah, I guess coming down from. I just felt like it had a, like when I started watching, I was like, you know, this is not a million years removed from the Netflix show. Like everybody's like loves right, the Netflix yeah. show, and probably if they even remember this movie at all, it's like, oh yeah, there was a cheesy version of Daredevil with Jennifer Garner and Ben Affleck. That's actually kind of how I remembered it. When the movie started, though, I was like, you know, this is basically the same kind of thing they do on the show. It kind mm-hmm. of has that noir look. I think this is really just as good. But by the end of the movie, it had become something else. Yep. So, unfortunately... Which is bad. Yeah, I definitely can't recommend this one. <laughs> well, why, we didn't talk about this. Why did you buy this? <laughs> <laughs> it was it literally in one of the dump bins oh, at a Walmart. This was a, this was a straight-up old-school yeah. dumpster dive. Yeah, it was like four ninety nine. Oh, that's a, okay. Oh, obviously aware of this movie. And, oh, and also, um, you had bought me... Oh, don't blame me. Two of the... Oh, no, you didn't buy this movie. <laughs> I can link it to you if you'd like. <laughs> um, but you bought me those... What are they? What collections are they? The Frank Daredevil? Miller... Frank Miller Frank Daredevil? Miller's Early Daredevil? Yeah. Which I'd never read, because I was asking you for just, like, random... Mm-hmm. This is a little off-topic, but I was asking you for, like, random superhero... Right. Or, or not even superhero. I was, like, saying comic book recommendations, because yeah. you're a huge comic book fan, yeah. and I used to be, and I'm not in it that much anymore but i was looking for like what's up my alley what's something i would like and you mentioned that and i was like okay i could that actually does sound interesting and i'm aware of it but i never read it and then of course i walk by some dvd dump in and then i see daredevil and I'm oh, like, okay he's, he's so in he's my brain in your already mind. okay and I'm like 4.99 oh and then of course this podcast is in my oh, mind okay. too I'm like, there you go perfect okay so that's how it came to be well i i but you can keep it, it. <laughs> i don't know <laughs> Quite all right. Um, so, you would not recommend other people pay four ninety nine for this? No. Yeah. And I haven't seen the Netflix series, so I can't even say check that out instead. But I've heard that it's good. That's, oh yeah, that's definitely. A terrible way to definitely. Review. I heard it's good. Definitely check out the Netflix series instead. Yeah, this is unfortunate. I'm still looking for that gem that's ripe for reevaluation. They're out there. You gotta keep looking. I guess I can't this is say, not it. I can't say that I thought this was going to be, I no. guess. This was more of kind of a uh, Yeah. There's good stuff in it. Yeah. Um which again is what makes it frustrating because it's like I, I'd recommend you watch the first half hour of this movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I can't really watch the first half hour with the sound off. Right. And you'll be fine. This is this movie will blow you away. Right. Maybe like I feel like maybe some YouTuber out there can like do it an edit of yeah. this movie because there's a lot of good material. Like a Justice League Snyder cut they need to do like a no music cut or a different yeah. music cut or something. Exactly. Like that. Exactly. So good stuff in there as there are in almost every bad movie but ultimately this is a bad movie mm-hmm. which unfortunately is not what we're here looking for but the dive continues. We're not here looking for it but yet we found another one. Yes. <laughs> what, are, what are the odds? We keep finding <laughs> them. They find us. Yes. <laughs> we're not looking for the bad movies. Well the word dumpster doesn't necessarily imply treasure. Yeah. Maybe we're setting ourselves <laughs> up for failure. It's like the power of intention. Yeah. We should, we maybe we should think about that. Okay. The next one will be good I swear. Now you've done pretty good. Usually I pick the duds so this was, this was at least an interesting dud. Interesting to talk. It very, it's very interesting case. In I did actually think when we started watching it I was like oh maybe I'm wrong. Yeah and this, I think so. It's a very interesting case in like how a movie that is on solid a solid foundation can kind of go wrong. I also think it's kind of interesting to look at it like back to the lens of like superhero movies yeah. are the big thing now. Yeah, like, I mean he's a Marvel character. Right. 
this is kind of what they were trying to get done right. early on. So yeah. I think it's interesting. That it's always interesting to look back at stuff from that period. But that doesn't make it a good movie. No. So. Yeah, no, I wouldn't recommend it. All right. Is that the final word on Daredevil? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, I wish I was blind. And <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't think we have a lot of material for our deeper dive segment, which is, of course, when we try to give you a little bit of background on the movie, the actors, um, and all that sort of thing. Uh, what do you have for us this this time on, Jordan? In what terms you, of, like, the research? What do you know about any anything about this movie? Trivia, background? Um, I know it was... Well, well, why was this made? <laughs> That's what I <laughs> when really I was reading like. about it, it seemed very, um, like I told you, like, divisive. Mm-hmm. Among it, like if I don't even know what's going on Rotten Tomatoes, and that might be interesting to look that up and find out. But the reviews, kind of like a general impression that I got, is they were very divided. It was super successful, apparently. Like it made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. It made like twice its budget. Yeah, back. and we should mention there's a spinoff, uh, The Electra, yeah, and then gets her own movie. Out. Yeah, that'd be another one to check out. Yeah. And don't say that because then I'll walk by something <laughs> and I'll pick that one up too. Get that out of my brain. I actually own that one. But I haven't watched <laughs> okay. it for a long time. And, uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, uh, where was I? Uh, but the reviews that. were split. Yeah, it seemed like, and it's funny because you can tell how split they were by, like, what each person talked about. Like, the critics hated the movie for the exact same things that the fans loved it for. And when I read, like, Rotten Tomatoes reviews, I don't even look at fan reviews. No. I don't care. The only <laughs> value to fan reviews is. If it has a very high critical score and a very low audience score, oh, yeah, it's, it's almost always an excellent movie. Yeah. Not 100% of the time, but pretty close, because it means that the filmmaker is trying something different or challenging or surprising. And, and all, all those reviews are like first impression, knee-jerk reactions. Well, and, 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 always and, be kind of and avant-garde, wow. challenging, interesting art is by its nature going to have an off-putting quality. Like People say right. they want something different, but they right. don't. Anyway, sidebar. But yeah, the the so the reviews. But are, yeah, like the things that we were talking about, soundtrack. Like critics hated the soundtrack, yep. even though one did win a Grammy. But that's like not. I'm talking about like movie critics. Yep. They hated that. The fans thought it was good. Hmm. Apparently. Wow. That's just something they pointed to. The fans liked the cast. The critics thought the cast was terrible, as yep. I thought too. But yep. I'm like. <laughs> so we're, we're not more trying to like side with the critics, but I mean, I'm very comfortable siding with the critics in this case. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but I mean, like they're not informing my opinion on right. it. Like, I think generally they're right about that. There's no defending the soundtrack. No, I mean, if you liked it, you you were a douche in 2013. <laughs> like, that's just, just that was a long time ago. It's okay. You might not be a douche now. Yeah, you may have if, changed. If you own that soundtrack, you were. I yeah, that was, a, that was a dark point in your life. <laughs> I mean, we're glad you came out of it. <laughs> but <laughs> oh, man, I hope that music is in the trailer because I want people to hear what we're talking oh, about. Oh, and the other thing is um, that guy, right? I forget his name because he has like three very indistinct um, Mark Stephen Mark Johnson. Mark Stephen Johnson, yeah. Which sounds like he's like in the witness protection program. Yeah. Or, something. or either that or he's like a killer, like Mark David Chapman or something. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but he was apparently he started out as being a, a screenwriter, which I think is why he was kind of chosen for mm-hmm. Daredevil because he was. I'm gonna assume a lot because I didn't do any research on him in particular. I, I just saw his credits. He wrote and directed also the Ghost Rider movie cool. a few years later, uh-huh. which I also didn't like or I remember not liking. Yeah, 
Um, I have a feeling like they had him because this is the Fox production when the Fox owned those characters. Mm-hmm. I th- I feel like they were kind of doing what Marvel does now. They bring in these guys and they kind of have them hang around and work on. Pitch so he was like their Joss Whedon or their James Gunn, yeah, or their Russo brothers, yeah. And he was just kind of like they had him in the stable, you know. Mm-hmm. And they're keeping him around, sure. Kind of like how Kevin Smith kind of got on board with the Superman movies. Mm-hmm. Well, this guy knows what he's talking about right. when he talks about comics. Right. Maybe we should have him write it. So, so he I mean, kind of... I, I don't know that as a fact, oh, but I'm, I'm just sure kind you're of right. like assuming yeah. a little bit of a He kind of started to make a name for himself as the comic yeah. book adaptation So maybe guy. he's just like more of a writer than a director, because clearly there wasn't really a director's stamp on it. The, the director's stamp stuff is the beginning part where basically if you just kind of transcribe the comic book, you'll be, yeah. all, you'll be all right. Yeah. But once you're off book, you know, yeah. <laughs> it turns into like David Fincher wannabe music yeah. video stuff. Well, and it's, you know, we talk about directors and how skillful they are, and a lot of times we're just talking about the quality of the movie because I think it, yeah. it can be hard to analyze directing. Like, yeah. how is the directing on this movie? And well, that's the like, way that I've come to think about it, one one aspect you can evaluate it through is coherence, is what I think. Yeah. Because a movie's got all these different people, and they all have a very specific job. Like, even the actors. It's not Ben Affleck's job to, like, make his performance gel with everything else that's right. going on in the movie. It's his job to portray that character as best But if Colin Farrell's doing this at this yep. level and Jennifer Garner's doing this and at the, this level. And the soundtrack is like this and the lighting is yeah. like this, you as the director have to coordinate all of those yeah. elements into a coherent whole. You need to become an auteur uh, to some extent. Um, and I heard when a movie... of directors is like you're a cat herder. You're yeah. just like constantly and didn't trying movie, to prevent things from running and off And didn't this movie directions. feel like something that just had yeah. all this stuff and yeah. it just was not, there's no coherence to it. So I think that is a failure in the directing. Yep. So I think you might be right. He's probably a better writer than he is a director. Because mm-hmm. uh, like I said, I didn't have as many problems with the script. I mean, you kind of pointed out, okay, yeah, some stuff didn't work so well. But yeah. um, the directing, I think, really is the problem. And also when you have to turn over like 90% of your, well, maybe not 90%, maybe 50% of your movie over to the special effects crew. And then it's just kind of like you're not necessarily behind even quote-unquote directing it. They're just like, I want this to happen. You guys, the animation team, the special effects crew, you guys make this happen. And I I know they storyboard it, but there's only so... Close, you can get it to the actual yeah. final product. And there are some directors who do like they they direct oh, yeah. that, like Guillermo del Toro, yeah. like I know with Pacific, Peter Jackson, Pacific Rim, that. like he he is directing that animation right. just as much, if not more so, yeah. than he would the live. Yeah, I'm not saying movies. like special effects are they work like that because yeah. I do not direct. Like, but that David Fincher is one who's like that. Who's he's in the right. editing room and he's in the special effects room yeah. and he's pinpointing every little movement of everything. Yeah. And, but yeah. this didn't seem so much like that. This didn't seem like <laughs> that at all. No, this seemed like what I was talking about, like with Spider-Man, where it's like, here's, yeah. here's your regular movie, cut. And it's almost like... Cut scene not, from the video game. It's like, now here's the commercial. It's like yeah. they start playing a commercial for an animated or movie. Or a cartoon or yeah. short or something. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's all, right. all my research. That's cool, man. It, it's, it's, it's fascinating to see how stuff is... Uh, received at the time. Yeah. I I, I want to interview these people who liked the soundtrack. 
Who are these people? Is this true? Was this like one of those anti-Captain Marvel campaigns on Rotten Tomatoes? These are just like where those. people like flooded <laughs> like positive reviews yeah. because I it, no, like, they would have been like focused on Ben Affleck is not really blind, right? Oh boy. Well, he I is, did. I did have a problem. Handicap yeah, shaming he's handicapped. Yeah. Well, yeah. You wonder if now. I guarantee oh, you. I guarantee you. <laughs> if they made uh, it now, somebody. I don't think a lot, but somebody would say, "Why not a blind actor?" Mm-hmm. Which I mean, hey, why not? Sure. Um, I I had more of a problem with the fact that he was a fake redhead. Yes. That did not work. Because <laughs> in the comics, Matt Murdock is Irish Catholic, so he has red hair. Uh-huh. Um, and Ben Affleck does not have red hair. He has very, very dark hair. That's so what made it like purplish. Yeah, when you try to turn <laughs> black hair red, it doesn't look like a redhead. It looks like kind of a coppery purplish and that's one of those things where it's like okay it doesn't need to be this right. it doesn't need to be that but they're trying to like split the difference yeah. and it ends up making well it and it's also like what i was saying like you 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 it's very important for you to capture the surfacey elements of the comics but you maybe don't quite understand what makes that sort yeah. of material work so just had to throw that in there ben affleck's hair is stupid in this movie <laughs> on top of everything else uh john favreau was good like yeah, he was playing. He, he was plays the exact same character yeah. that he plays in Iron Man. Not literally. Um, in yeah. Iron Man, he it may as well be. In Iron Man, he plays Iron Man's dumpy, funny sidekick, uh, Happy Hogan. Mm-hmm. And in Daredevil, he plays Daredevil's dumpy, funny sidekick, Foggy Nelson. Yeah. But it is the exact same. Yeah. Attitude, personality, performance. So he is basically the same character. Which he's great as Happy Hogan, and he's great. I liked him as Foggy. <laughs> totally fine. Yeah. Honestly, he probably gave the best performance of the movie. Mm-hmm. That's a low bar, but yeah, a very low bar. So. And then he went on to make uh, um, Iron Man's. Yeah. Well, and uh, he directed the Jungle Book, which you were just telling me that I yes. need to see. Very CG heavy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna look for that one on a future dive. All right, well, I guess that's all we've got for our Beyond the Dive segment. And, you know, probably don't want to know. I didn't want to dive. We don't know. We don't want to know too much more. I dipped my foot in the pool. (laughs) We've talked about Daredevil (laughs) way too much at this point. So uh, let us go Beyond the Dive for our final segment of the show. And this uh, has nothing to do with Daredevil, nothing to do with our feature presentation. This is just a forum for Jordan and I to talk about. Anything else we've seen, read, um, are looking forward to even. Um, or listen to. Or I, listen I'm to. I'm going to say the Daredevil soundtrack. Oh, come on. As a surprise. Okay. All right. What, what do you got for a recommendation <laughs> or something to avoid even for uh, Beyond the Dive? So mine is just like a quick little like recommendation. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna give actually this episode we're each gonna have just pretty short individual recommendations and then we're gonna discuss a, a brief discussion of a movie we actually saw recently together. So before that though, what do you what do you want to throw so out? So normally there? I would just like mention like what I've been watching recently or what I've been like into recently, all like unrelated to the the dive, the dumb yeah. dive. Um, mine is um, I listened to a commentary by Amanda Reyes, mm-hmm. who she doesn't describe herself as a film critic, but I think I kind of I do because okay. she just said she kind of like reviews and analyzes movies. But to me, that is kind of... That sounds like a film critic film to me. Rev- it's more like film reviewing. Uh-huh. But anyway, she's really good as like a... Like I've read a lot of her writing, and I guess it turns out I, I have some of her books, and I didn't even know it. Okay. <laughs> like, I've read her stuff, but I didn't even know it was her. 
But she does a commentary on um, Someone's Watching Me, which is a TV movie. Oh, yeah. She's kind of the TV movie expert. Yeah, you were on a bit of a TV movie kick for a while. Well, I was just because of of her. Okay. I started... She has a book called um, Are You in the House Alone? Okay. And I had... The weird thing is I had ordered that book because it was a book about um, kind of genre Mm -hmm. Not necessarily horror, but kind of like genre made for TV movies, like even after-school special stuff like... um, like rape stories, you know, yep. like that kind of like weird kind of stuff. Yeah, but they used to have a lot of those kind of things. <laughs> yeah, there was a ton yeah. of it, and a lot of it is just like lost because it's not released on video or right. anything. And but she has a book about that stuff. She doesn't write everything; but she's like the editor of it. She uh-huh. writes like some of the reviews and she kind of compiles it. It's an interesting but I, subject for uh, I got. The, oh, that's what I thought. Yeah, <laughs> I got that book, and then a few days later, I bought um, someone's watching me because I just like. I saw it was John Carpenter's um, uh, made-for-TV movie that he made like between before Halloween, between Salt and Precinct 13 and Halloween. Okay. And she did a commentary on it. And I was like, wait a minute, I know that name. And it was like, within like two days, I had bought like two uh, things from her. And okay. I was like, okay, well, give it a listen. It's meant to be. And she's really good. Yeah. Well, I don't want to go on super long, but she does a lot of DVD commentaries. Oh, okay. Blu-ray commentaries. Is it all, does she always do TV movies, or? Um, That's her specialty. Yes, oh, yes. interesting. Okay. But the the thing is, like, some of those movies were, which is, like, I didn't know, a lot of them were released theatrically in everywhere else except the United States. So oh, they yes. Are te- they are technically TV movies. Right. But only because we here in the U.S. Right. know them as that. Right. Other people in the world know them as, like, movies. Right. Or so, sometimes they're made as a TV movie, yeah. and then with the understanding that this will be edited as a film, yeah. that was the case with the pilot for Twin Peaks, of course. Yep. But, yeah, she mainly does, yeah, she does commentaries for TV movies. And okay. It's really good. She's, like, really interesting. She so talks, she, like, wall-to-wall nonstop. She... What I like is, well, she'll like analyze it and be like, I don't think they were trying to put this in the movie, but this is my take on it. Uh-huh. And I, to me, that's like really interesting yeah. because I, I don't want some like pretentious person like this movie because she's talking about TV movies. Yeah. So I don't want her to be like, this movie is really diving into these issues, and you know, like I don't know, pretentious is the way I would say that I wouldn't want it to sound like. But she's like, this is kind of my reading of it, and sure. this is what I think, and. I, uh, the thing she said in the commentary that I really liked is she, she goes, I know you're here listening to this, so I'm not going to bother kind of explaining this. Like, she knows who the audience is. Right. Like, she... If she you're listening to, like to a commentary on a made-for-TV movie, yeah. you have a certain level of engagement and yeah. knowledge going and in. she was like, I know if you bought it... Like, she was basically speaking to me. Sure. She's like, I know if you bought it, you switched over to the audio track, you, I assume you know who I am. So, and then she just kind of, like, goes on with it. I was like, that's... Such a great commentary. Yeah. Okay, so um, Amanda Reyes. Yep. Okay. She, so has, she got... has a podcast too called Made for TV Mayhem. Oh, excellent. Okay, well, I'll definitely link to that, um, and we'll maybe put up links to her books and stuff too. Yep. Um, and if you know any of her commentaries, um, send those to me because uh, okay. those might be kind of hard. Someone's to watching find. me is the best one. They're okay. Scream for help. The spell. Oh, these sound like made for TV. Yeah, they're great. They're actually really great. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the commentaries I think kind of elevate the movies. Sure. Yeah. Excellent. So, yeah. Okay, that's definitely something right, to look That was for. too much. No, I love it. I want to listen to the podcast. Um, okay, so I'm just briefly going to mention, um, I think the most interesting movie I've seen recently is probably Ari Aster's Midsummer. Mm-hmm. Um, Ari Aster's last movie was Hereditary, Very which good. came out and 
traumatized me before <laughs> yeah. we had this podcast. Otherwise, you would have heard me talk a lot about it because I loved Hereditary. Yes. Um, it I didn't was, impact me the same way that it did you, but I recognize that it's very good. One of the f- I see so many horror movies, and I rarely get frightened anymore. I love them, yeah. but very, very rarely do you actually get frightened. And when I say frightened, I mean like disturbed. Like yeah. it kind of gets under your. That's skin. always what I mean when I say like a movie. Yeah. Scared me. Like I don't really get scared by movies, but if something creeps me out. Yeah. Then that's what I found Hereditary to be a deeply disturbing visceral experience. So obviously, I was very excited to see Ari Aster's follow up, Midsummer, which is also a good movie. And I I haven't seen it. I definitely recommend people see it. I didn't like it as much as Hereditary. Mm -hmm. It did not really scare or disturb me. Um, He deals with a lot of the same. So what's so great about it? Well, I mean, I know it's. I think it's great. great mostly for. The oddness of it, mm-hmm. it's like a boldly bizarre movie. Mm-hmm. Um, beautifully shot. You know, Hereditary was, like, Hereditary, like most horror movies, was very contained, very dark, mm-hmm. very insular. Um, it was something of a haunted house movie. It was yeah. something of a possession movie. Um, this one takes place, obviously, in midsummer in Sweden. Open fields and... Open fields and big, wide screen panoramic shots. The Mm -hmm. characters often appear very small against very large. It's almost like the antithesis of what you think a horror movie should be. Yeah, I I feel like it was kind of... Show the monsters. I feel like it was kind of like a challenge Aster set for himself, both Mm -hmm. to do something aesthetically the opposite of what Hereditary was, but also something that horror doesn't do a lot. And you can kind of see why, like daylight's not as scary as dark time, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, um, and this is a movie, there is no night. It's like the time of year in this part of the world where it really only gets dark. Is it all like in one day or? No, it's over, it's over a period of days that they're at this festival. Um, and then the movie starts out before they go off to Sweden, this group of, this group of students, the main character is this girl, um, and her boyfriend kind of wants to break up with her, but she's had this disturbing family tragedy, hallmark of Ari Aster. Yeah. Um, and so he kind of feels trapped in this relationship. So it's kind of like this breakup movie, but then they end up in this bizarre situation uh, with, like, I'm going to call it a cult. It's really a yeah, small it seems like. It's really a small village, but they have all these bizarre older customs. It's like um, Hostel meets the Wicker Man or something. There's a lot to like about this movie. If I was doing a full review, I'd, I'd go into it. I do recommend it. Aster is, in my opinion, one of the greats. He is one of the guys pushing horror cinema forward right now. It sounds um, like the same thing with Jordan Peele, like with Get Out. Which it's exactly like, like that. It has us, fantastic, not great as, movie, right? Not at the level. Not of as Get good as not Get Out. As good, anything. But, but it makes you confident great, yeah. that okay, he's not a one-hit wonder. So yeah, check out Midsummer. And it's also cool that it can kind of like challenge himself too. That's I, what I feel like. That's what I always did, like. Yeah. I don't like when a director, like even Jordan Peele, kind of teases us a little bit. He's like, well, maybe I'll make Get Out too. Sure. Which. Okay, that could be interesting, but what I really want to see is like do something completely yeah. different than completely. And I different feel like that's what like, he did here. He did do that with us. There's definitely tropes. Um yeah. disturbingly depicted head trauma. That is obviously an Ari Aster trope. We have seen it now in two movies. Um the reason this movie doesn't work as well as hereditary for me is because hereditary was about a normal family. At least you 
assume they're normal yeah. at the beginning, and the supernatural creeps into the, and infects their normal lives. This is about a group of normal people who go into a supernatural place. And as soon as they arrive... You and know what's wrong right off the bat. As soon as they arrive in this village, you're like, well, they're going to get fucked up in some yeah. weird-ass so Swedish like midsummer rituals. Waiting for it to happen. And you just watch that unfold, yeah. so there's a lack of kind of tension. So that's what keeps it from being, I guess, a great, great, great movie. But, I mean, my goodness, it's so original. I love that yeah. movies like this can still get wide distribution. So check out Midsummer. Probably out of theaters by now. <laughs> I think it's still in theaters. Yeah, if you can't catch it in a theater though, check I it guess out. By the time it, post check it out when it comes to digital or disc because I really liked it. All right, do we want to I talk? Do we want to talk briefly about the movie you and I saw together? Sure. I feel like this is a little dangerous because we've only got a little little bit left here. Yeah, how long are we going? We'll just look another just another few minutes, don't All you right. think? Yeah, go ahead. I think we're fine. Um, let's oh, just I don't say, know. We're fine. Whatever, go ahead. I have an eye on the clock here. Um, we'll just say a few words about the new Quentin Tarantino movie, Once Upon a Time Well, speaking of, like, thank God that these things are still making their way into theaters, <laughs> that would be the one, yeah. I think uh, Quentin Tarantino, it's... I, I want to say it's great that he's retiring. Of course, I'd love if he would keep making movies forever and ever and ever. I think but that's kind of... I do Talk. feel like he's no, no. I think he's serious. Really? Yeah, I think he's serious. I mean, he might change his mind, but I think he's he's gonna be done. But um, yeah, I do feel like this movie is kind of um, the product of an earlier time and well, an yeah. aesthetic <laughs> filtered through a straight white male gaze that is going to be less and less tolerated as we go forward. Mm -hmm. um, but in the meantime, people still like Quentin Tarantino. They still like Quentin Tarantino movies. And this, he's going to do one more after this, but wouldn't this have made a perfect final film for Quentin Tarantino? Yeah, it is kind an of... An absolute ode and love It's kind of got letter. all the stuff he's collected along the way, and it's kind of like all his personality and film traits all built up in And impeccably movie. crafted, extraordinarily well-acted ode to... The somewhat tarnished, but still golden age of Hollywood. Yeah. Culminating in the most beautiful, fun, cathartic release of cinema violence that you've yeah. ever seen. <laughs> or have, we'll have to spoil seen it. since the last Tarantino movie. Yeah. So that's my kind of take on this movie. Obviously, I really liked it. I didn't really get it. We saw it together, but we didn't really get a chance to discuss it. Yeah. So tell me your kind of take on it. Did You, you, you it liked good. it. Yeah, but I mean, come on, man. <laughs> no, I I was kind of, uh, yeah, I was blown away. I, I could tell, like, I was, um, I don't think it's his best movie, but I do feel no, like it's No, it's not my of, favorite of his, at least, but I think it's one of his best. Yeah, I was a little kind of on the fence with it, because I, I wanted to know, a lot of, like, a lot of movies I want to know, like, what is this about? Like, why mm -hmm. am I sitting here watching this? Uh -huh. And with Tarantino, I'm totally fine with, like, giving up the reins and being like, you can tell your yes. story. And you There's feel a, very comfortable yeah. in the hands of... Because I, I know like all his films are, or most of his films are long, or longer yep. than what a typical movie is. And I knew is. This, this was a long like one. two and a half. Yeah. Does not seem like that at all. Despite the fact that there is very little plot. Yeah. That's There's the not part, a lot of story here. That's where I was kind of like, a little bit where I was like, what is going on here? Right. Like how... What, not that I was like annoyed by it. It, like, it meanders. Is, like this is. It takes its time. Not that it was boring me. Not but at I all. I was trying to like 
frustrating me. Like this is why I think it'll work good as a rewatch because I feel like I missed so much. But I was kind of wondering, what are you trying to say with all of this? And then, well, I'll have to spoil it, but it becomes like revisionist history as it did with... A la Inglorious Bastards. With Inglorious Bastards did. Also and great ending. I, I, I don't want to say that I can outthink Tarantino because I cannot. Oh, did you predict it? Oh. This is going a little bit like halfway into oh, it. Oh, you did. Okay. As they're presenting, just the way they present Sharon Tate. Yeah. So I, I thought was great. Sharon Tate. <laughs> so, of course, this yeah. is juxtaposed. It's, it's the story of... Um, a kind of fading old Hollywood yeah. cowboy actor. That's Leonardo DiCaprio. Very good performance oh, yeah. by Leonardo DiCaprio here. And his stuntman, uh, Brad Pitt, um, their relationship juxtaposed, by Brad Pitt. <laughs> ju- yeah, juxtaposed against the backdrop of the Manson family and what we think is the upcoming, you know, Sharon Tate murder. Um, Karen Tate is played by Margot Robbie. Mm-hmm. Is that how you say her name? Yep. Is it Margot Robbie? Mm-hmm. Beautiful, wonderful in this. Um, but, of course, Tarantino pulls a swerve yep. at the end of the movie, and it's violent and beautiful. And uh, <laughs> it's, Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, if we say Allah and Glorious Bastards, people can intuit. You can get it. You're going to feel good walking out of the theater, yeah. is what I would say. Unless you're, you turn your nose up at... the celebration of violence. And make no mistake, this is a celebration of movie violence, not real violence. This is a celebration. But it's in a context. And I feel like it's Tarantino making the case, as he has in many of his movies, as he has in many interviews, making the case for the value of movie violence. Mm -hmm. You know? So it's very cathartic as a fan of genre cinema, and it's very cathartic I think, for story reasons. I think that's why I felt like I saw where it was going to, mm-hmm. because I felt like that catharsis kind of building up. Sure. The way, like, Sharon Tate... I Like, I love the way they presented her character, and I hate <sighs> that they talk about, like, she doesn't have a lot of dialogue, which, that is totally hypocritical, because there are so many other characters in so many other movies that are exactly like that, who have little dialogue, sure. even in other Tarantino movies, that... No one says a word about it because it doesn't matter. Or this they're is just like the or they're praised for it. Look at uh, the man with no name. Yeah. And look uh, at Daniel Kaluuya in Get Out. He sure. says like three sentences. He's fa- he gets nominated for an Oscar. He's right. fantastic. Like no one ever criticizes it for that. But th- I felt like this m- just made her so like sweet. Yes. Like it just presented her as like she's not brilliant. She's not stupid. She's just kind of like floating through life and she's she felt to me like a real character yeah but like she's a got, real like a love letter to like she's got quirks you know she and yeah. Polanski have the weird relationship and she has yep. a type she's kind of got a guy on the side she on the outside seems a little kind of ditzy but mm-hmm. she's not like a complete moron you're just mm-hmm. utterly charmed by her yeah so that I felt like almost they were kind of going a little over the top with like building it up like oh they're like the audience and I, or basically I was saying I, like, I'm not going to put up with anybody trying to fuck Oh, uh, yeah. I was like, if they try to even attack her, and even her being, like, pregnant, yes. it's like, boy, this is so loaded. Like, yes. You cannot kill this. Not, kinda, not that you can't kill so, this character. So but it was like when Hawkeye kept talking about building yes. his house <laughs> in Avengers well, Age of Ultron. Yeah. You're like, no, there's no way they can. Yeah. You know what? I should have thought like, of that. Or like in those Hot Shots movies where it's whatever that guy is, uh, Dead Meat. Where he's constantly he's <laughs> constantly about talking that. about like he'll walk under a ladder uh, or a black cattle like walk in front of him and be like see you tomorrow honey yeah like you could totally like they're 
billboarding it, like yeah. what's going to happen. So that's kind of why, but, but not that it lessened it at all. Yeah. I, I was more like even excited for it. I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. And then when Brad Pitt starts tripping on his uh, acid uh-huh. dip cigarette, I was like, this is fantastic. We're gonna, yeah, just lean <laughs> back a little. Good. <laughs> lean back a little more in your chair yeah. and, and It's relax. like what Tarantino's good at is just like setting the table. Because I remember, um, I think Robert Rodriguez said like in an interview, he asked Tarantino how he writes like really good dialogue. And this is kind of like a pretentious kind of writery thing to say, but I always think of it. He says he just makes these two characters and he puts them in a room and he sees what they'll say to each other. Yeah. Like that is like he's so good at just like. I mean that that kind of takes a little bit of the credit away from him because he oh, kind of yeah. makes it seem like well it's, you know it's just movie magic I just right. make it all happen right. but it is a little bit way for you to say Tarantino but, <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> but what I'm saying is like he knows how to just like perfectly set it up and like once it gets to that moment yeah you're just like you sit back you like put your hands behind your head and you're like do it man go for it oh, and, and then he does not disappoint <laughs> I would even say this is a better ending than Inglourious. Oh, yeah, it is. It, it, it one-ups it. Yeah. Pretty awesome. And people were cheering in the theater. Yeah. Um, so much more to say about this movie. Uh, It'll be like a rewatch one. Yeah, we'll there, there's moments again, of but... horror, genuine horror and tension yep. when Brad Pitt goes to the Manson compound. Yes. My God. Tarantino is a master of all genres, and you see a little bit of most of them here. Um, but... Uh, I think that's about hits our runtime. So, that's so go see Daredevil. Go, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, no, don't see Daredevil. Do see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Do see Midsummer, mm-hmm. and check out Amanda Reyes. Amanda Reyes uh, books, commentary, and podcast. Um, and then when you're done with all of those things, come on back here, and we're gonna keep diving. We're going to keep hoping. We're going to find some diamonds in the rough. And when we do, uh, we'll be here to talk to you about it. Till then, cue that Daredevil soundtrack. Oh, (laughs) bye for now. (laughs) 